Anyway, for the past, past two weeks, we've been looking at the good design. And I'm saying good because that's the, the word that God chose. A good design for all of God's creatures, the, the earth and for you and for me. And I use the word good because that is the word the Bible used. He looked at everything he had created and was pleased because it was very good. Good because it was perfect and pure, without flaw, and it was purposefully made. And as we reflect on what it means for us to be good, as good defines it, we looked at the stories of Noah and Abraham and others who God selected for their purpose because of their noble and righteous character. We also noted the story of people like David and Paul who, who didn't start by leading what one would consider a life of good choices, but went on to become powerful parts of God's work in the world. And we also looked at Joseph, a young man called by God, but was betrayed by his own brothers out of jealousy, nearly killed and then sold into slavery in a foreign land, yet still God used him for his good purpose, or as scripture states, God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done, which was the saving of many people. In each of these cases, God used people for his good purposes. Sometimes the people were good and the circumstances were not so much. Sometimes the people were not good, but the people and the circumstances were just what was needed to fulfill God's perfect purpose. And when you think about someone that, that God has done good things for and, and good things through, when you think about people that God wanted to and has saved, I hope and pray that you realize that you are able to count yourself among them. And during that message series, we imagined, and that was what it was titled, what the world would be like if we restored it to the perfect and very good condition that God had created and intended for it to be. If we could restore ourselves and our relationships and our perspective to this very good condition of what God created and intended them to be. And this week, we're going to look at our role and responsibility in restoring goodness to God's creation. Just a reminder, he has created everything as good. And he also created everything to be good. And, and it was quickly tarnished, if not outright, outright corrupted by us, us being man. So God hit the reset button and generally started over with Noah and his family. Yet we continue to be corrupt. And he sent his son to redeem us. And we struggle to follow his examples and the few instructions that he gave us. Fortunately, you have a heavenly father who wants to, you to be restored. Second Peter 3, 9 reminds us, he says, he is patient with you. He says, not wanting anyone to perish, but wanting everyone to come to repentance. Another translation of the same verse says that God is not willing for you to perish. I love that wording, right? Not wanting is pretty strong, especially when it's God. But God, the all-powerful, all-knowing, just God, right? God says, I'm not willing to let you go. Jesus makes the same claim in John 10, 28 through 29. Listen to the words of your Savior. He says, they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hands. Therefore, at the request of our Redeemer, God sent his spirit to sustain us. So here's the good news. You aren't in this alone. You aren't the only one wanting and working for your Savior, for your saving. 
Jesus' own words from John 5, 17 says, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I am working too. Now you've got some pretty powerful allies on your behalf. And you've been thoroughly equipped. We've talked about this before. And that word thoroughly equipped is a description of, of God's word, which has been provided for you in Scripture as defined by 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. He says, God's word has been provided so that you are thoroughly equipped for your good purpose. Now, maybe you've heard this saying, God does not call the equipped, but he equips the called. I'll say that again. God does not call the equipped, but he equips the called. Now, on Wednesday night, we are working through a study on what it means to be called. And certainly anyone is welcome to join this Wednesday evenings at 7 online. Um, we just do it by Zoom. But we're doing a, a study called The Calling. And the other thing is, God's process is exactly that. It's a process of redemption, right? There are certain benchmarks when you accept and when you're baptized. These are stepping points. And, and when you hit that point, you know, I am committed, I am redeemed, but it's still a process, right? Has anybody been baptized and had an easy life after that? No trouble, no temptations. No, no. It's a path that sometimes gets hard. In fact, they, they refer to this path toward salvation as the Romans road. Maybe you've heard that term. We'll go through a couple. In fact, I'm gonna go ahead and use that teaching tool we used a minute ago. Let's read together Romans 3.10. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. You know, it says, and if you were to go on verse 11, it says, no one who understands, there's no one who seeks God. Now we seek God, but he's saying there is no one perfectly righteous. You can do your best job and by your own standard, you know what they call that? Self-righteous. Righteousness comes from God, but there's a path and we're going to talk about that. Let's read Romans 3.23 together. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, unfortunately, we count ourselves among this as well. It gets better. Romans 5.8, let's read this. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the good news. You don't have to have it perfect yet. Because honestly, if you had it perfect, we wouldn't need a savior. If you had to have it perfect, we wouldn't need a church, right? If you could handle everything on your own, didn't need an ounce of encouragement, we wouldn't need to be here, right? Church is full of hypocrites. That's right. There's room for one more. Come join me. That's right. No amens for that. <laughs> Romans 6.23, let's read it. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is a cost for our sin. We are spiritually dead. God is holy. He can't stoop to our level and become unholy and do those things. He's got to keep his word and remain holy. So there's got to be a way for us to get to him. And he says that. That's gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Let's do Romans 10, 9 through 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. That's right. That's the step. And then here's the promise, Romans 10, 13. Let's read this last one together. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Welcome to the club. You are a whosoever. And I like this. Romans 5, 1 actually says, Therefore, since you have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to revisit what I mentioned a moment ago about being equipped and called. God has a place, has placed within you certain skills, right? He has entrusted you with them as a part of his perfect plan. I'm going to read a little bit from Matthew 25, 14 through 30. If you want to join along your Bible, I'm going to show you another trick. Split it in the middle Psalms. Split it in the middle is Matthew. That's close. If you had done it perfectly in the middle, that would be damn. Matthew 25, 14 through 30, and I'm going to read it. Now, in the NIV version, they call it the parable of the bags of gold. You might have also heard it called the parable of the talents. Now, a talent is estimated to be about 20 years worth of wages, okay? So just think about whatever you make times 20, that is a talent for the sake of this, this parable, okay? So Jesus is telling the story in the parable, which is how we like to teach, starting at verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold or talents, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Verse 22. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. He said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the banker. So when I returned, I would have at least received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even, when they, even what they have will be taken from them. And it says, and throw that worthless servant aside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's harsh words, right? Jesus doesn't mince words. You know, we think of this kind, gentle man, but he overturned tables in the temple, right? He scolded people. And here he's saying, I mean, this is what's going to happen to you. But Jesus knew that it was a critical point to make. And after all, he's trying to save us. So tough words are absolutely appropriate. God has entrusted you with some talents. 
literal talents, skills, and he's equipped you with those. And he expects you to do something with what he's given and to go out and do more with it. Don't bury it down. Invest it. A man by the name of Robert Half, and maybe you've heard of him, once said, and Mike Ditka actually paraphrases on his own, but Robert Half said, hard work without talent is a shame. But talent without hard work is a tragedy. I'll say that again. Hard work without talent is a shame, right? Running, 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 but no skills. This is a shame. But talent, the ability without putting the work, that's a tragedy. This means working hard or serving serving in an area that isn't your gift is a shame because you may be missing your true calling. That doesn't mean your intentions are bad. Or arguably, you may prevent others from using their gifts or meeting their calling because you're taking up a space, a serving opportunity where where someone else is called or a talent that is not yours because God has equipped you differently. And this isn't always a bad intention. Sometimes we're not sure where we are called. But likewise, having a gift or calling and doing nothing with it is a tragedy because you are missing out on God's intended blessing for you. We talked about that this morning. What a blessing it is to have this kind of ministry, to have a ministry. That blesses back. God works through that too. Believe me, I don't tell you anything I don't need to hear myself because it ministers to me as well. <coughs> Our God is tenacious, and that's, that's great news for us. So he will find a way for his plan to succeed, right? He, he will use someone else who uses an opportunity. If you're Jonah and you don't want to go to Nineveh, he'll swallow you up with that great big fish and spit you out. He will get his way. But why miss, on your, why miss your chance to be a part of it or the intended blessing for you? Now, I believe just to lighten it up after the gnashing of teeth thing, I found an example, an entertaining example to demonstrate. How many Star Trek fans in here? Thumbs down don't count from you. She probably can't tell the difference between Star Trek and Star Wars. Let's be honest. Anyway, have you at least heard of William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy? Yes. Kirk and Spock, among other things, very few other things, right? Anybody CCR fans, right? Creams Clearwater Revival? Yeah, Proud Mary? Hit it. This is a real record album. The best of Leonard Nimoy. Hit it. I'm only doing 10 seconds. I'm not paying royalties for this. this other guy. Any Johnny Cash fans? <laughs> Hit it. I keep a close watch on this heart of mine. I keep my eyes wide open all the time. I keep your hands out for the tie that runs. 
Beatles fans? One more. Okay, you're thinking these are a couple guys just trying to leech onto their fan, their you know from the 60s and 70s. In 2019, William Shatner made a Christmas album, not that long ago. Shatner Claus, why not? Luckily, he doesn't just talk through songs like he used to. They get better. One more just because I couldn't pick out which one to do. Can you name it? Yeah, if I paid more than that, we have a CCL license, but I'm still not paying royalties for that because that is not. What do you think? Hard work without talent or talent without hard work? <laughs> Don't be that guy. But seriously, what are your talents? What has God equipped you with to accomplish? I can almost guarantee it's, well, maybe it is the same. Maybe you just haven't found your thing yet. But, you know, these are guys that arguably are actors, talented actors, and, and but that doesn't mean. You could do all things, right? You know, there's a pretty good chance that maybe some of the things we're pursuing, thinking your talents that I'm really good at this, isn't really what God wants me to do. Or better yet, some of the things that I'm very passionate about, maybe that's because that is something that God has gifted me with, but how can I be using it for his purpose, right? If you like to sing, you don't do professional like to sing, sing out in church, right? If you're a giving person, a compassionate there are so many ministry opportunities, you like donuts? Who doesn't like donuts? Saturday morning, opportunities to serve. We have so many opportunities in this little church to support this community by using these talents God has put within you. And it doesn't have to be this grandiose thing. It's just that smile. But God has put something in you that he wants you to use for his kingdom. But if you pursue the wrong things, you may not literally be singing like the actors who play Kirk and Spock, but God's ears will hurt. It's like you said. <laughs> said, that's not what I did. So if there's something in your life, maybe God's saying, that's not your gift. That, don't be something that you aren't. I know who you are. I know who you are. I created you. I know your name. I know what you're good at. I know what you're passionate about. I gave you that heart for people, that heart to serve, that heart to give, right? I gave you those abilities with your hands. I gave you this, whatever it is. I know your purpose, and I have perfectly and absolutely equipped you to be whatever it is. Do you trust God with that? 
If you know your calling and how you're equipped to fulfill it, praise God, literally. Thank you, God, that you've made my purpose clear. But if you don't know your calling, ask him. And we have tools as a church. We have tools to help you kind of figure out what some of these gifts are. And it's, it's not that hard. It's not a mystery to kind of answer some questions because I'm wired to be this way or this way. Where does that fit into God's mission? And I've told you that you aren't in this alone because you aren't the only one wanting and working to save you. We're all in this together for the salvation of others. And this, this is the mission of the church, not just Golden Beach Community Church, but the global body of Christians that we call the church. Jesus commanded us, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. You are part of the everyone else in the world's commission. Think about it. That's not just your desire to reach salvation. It is the goal of every single person in the world to make sure you're included in the people that they're ministering to and discipling to. You're not in it alone. Sometimes we get so hung up on that word go, we, we don't realize that go does not necessarily mean travel off to a far off land. And sometimes that is your calling but it doesn't always mean that. We're pretty good at knowing that go means go outside these walls. We do things in the community. We, we do things for the school districts and hot dog roasts and with the community center, right? And, and the heifer fund and the, and the show me home. We're good at knowing that go is beyond here. We minister and serves what I call the greater metropolitan area, or I'm sorry, greater Barnett metropolitan area, the greater Golden Beach metropolitan area maybe. And we do that with our participation and our sponsorships. But don't forget that go may simply mean go to the person next to you. What a powerful reminder of praying for your spouse earlier. Go may mean just turn. Your work for the Lord begins whenever and wherever you are. And we did a message, oh, it's been a little while ago now, called Ground Zero. And it is also available on the podcast, Ground Zero. And that it, we talked about that spot you are in right now is your ground zero. This is the impact mark. This is that first point of impact that sends the ripples out in all directions. The starting point for whatever God does next for you and through you. So go and do it. Even if go means be right where you're at. In Hebrews 10.25, the Apostle Paul advises the church, he says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as the day is approaching. Are we doing this? Is the world giving up on meeting together? There are some scary statistics out there that say that we may be. Church attendance dropping to below 50% for the first time and, and the percentage of people who don't have a place to recharge or reconnect with God and other believers is alarming. And it's not just the generation after us. Our peers are doing the same thing. Now, we don't know when the day that Paul is referring to is coming. He says that we should continue to meet and encourage one another all the more as that day approaches. Well, I'll tell you, we're over about 2,000 years closer to that day now. And those words, when those words were written, and how much more do we need to be gathering, serving, encouraging, and seeking each other's encouragement Sherry and I had the blessing of attending her niece's wedding on Friday night. And I thought the priest said this so perfectly. He says, our purpose is to get to heaven and take as many people as we can with us. 
Now, he was also a high school teacher in, in St. Louis at a Catholic high school. And he says, that's how we taught them our purpose. He says, our purpose is to get to heaven and take as many people as we can with us. So simple, but so true. Friends, you aren't in this alone. Every single one of us seeks salvation and unconditional love. He made us that way. Every single person in the world needs salvation and has a pathway to it thanks to God's unconditional love and a sacrifice of a son. And this is possible, but it came at a cost. God sent his son to be the very good, the pure and faultless sacrifice. God chose to make this move because he's not willing to have a heaven that doesn't include you in it someday. So now it's your turn. It's our turn. What's our move? Let's think about that. Let's pray. Father God, you call us to a holy and blameless life. And that wasn't some outrageous request. You made us that way. But Lord, we have fallen. And you've given us this path to salvation. You created us with a desire to have a relationship with you. To serve you. To love others as you love us. And you've equipped us as a collective and as individuals with everything we need to accomplish your good purpose. You even put the instructions in writing in your holy word, which Second Timothy describes as the book that fully and absolutely and completely equips us to do the good work you intended for us. Lord, let us ask you what that is. Let us seek our place in your story. Let us be a part of your plan to make a difference in this world, whether that's with the person next to us, within ourselves, or, to, or, or somewhere outside this, this building, this community. Lord, we want to be with you and we want to bring as many of our friends with us as we can. And that delights you. Can we thank you for who you are, that you hear our prayers. God, I just want us to take one second to think of one hope we have. One hope, one regret. This morning, we're gonna take communion. And this is the one place in the world, the one place in our lives, the one place in all creation, we're not told to leave stuff at the door. You said bring it but and leave it here. So let's take that one thought, our one hope, keep it to ourselves. And in a moment, as we take communion with you, Lord, Let's turn that over to you. Amen. I do want to share a story. It's about a single mother and, and her two young children at the store, probably a Dollar General based on the, what they're buying. And, and the older brother got to pick up some glow sticks, right? Pick up some glow sticks. And the little brother, he was pretty little and getting pretty restless and Mom said, just here. Took one, opened the package, gave one to the little brother, and he was amazed. He walked around that story carrying that stick, and he was, that was the coolest thing he ever saw. Well, big brother, and the big brother wasn't very big, grabbed it out of his hand, and the little kid just screamed. The big brother broke it. Oh, that really upset him. And he shook it. And he gave it back to his little brother, who was now truly amazed. Some things have to be broken to work right. That's not just true of glow sticks. It's true of us. Sometimes it is our greatest struggles 
that get us work right. It's that refining fire that purifies us and gets us to be where we need to be. Sometimes it's when we're at the end of ourselves that we find out who we really are and who God really is because that's where he meets us sometimes. And sometimes not because we don't need to get to that point. But he says, it's okay, right? So on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus sat around the table with his disciples and many things happened during this, this t- gathering at the table. He told of the time that he'd be leaving and he said, I'm going to be going and I'm going to ahead of you and I'm going to prepare a place for you. You know, and, and things were said like, well, where are you going? And he says, where I'm going, I can't take you, but I'll come back and get you. Right? But he said, he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it just like that stick. He broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. And he gave thanks. And I love that he gave thanks because if Jesus needs to pray and be thankful, how much more do we? But he poured the wine and he said, this wine is my blood, the blood of the new covenant. He says, I didn't come to to change the law. He says, I came to fulfill it. And he said, this blood is the new covenant. And he says, as often as you take this bread and drink this wine, do it in remembrance of me. And every month we pause and we take communion. It's a very special time. It's whether you think it's shrouded in mystery or whatever, it's a very practical reminder of the enormous sacrifice, but the enormous hope that we now get to have. Sherry's going to help me pass out. We're going to continue to do the individual cups for a little while longer. What I want you to do is go ahead and peel back the the top and, and a, a little way for a bread and, and a little juice cup in there. And all I want you to do is just take that hope, that wish, whatever that is that you had in your heart a moment ago and say, God, this is yours. Let's pray one more time. Father, as we pause for this Holy Communion, we don't have to ask you to be here because we know you're here. You're promised to be here with us. So Lord, as we Take these sacraments in the next few minutes. Will you speak directly to us? We know you'll listen, but we, but can we listen to you and what you have us to do? Lord, we thank you for who you are and that we even have this opportunity, this path to salvation. May we do this in a way that is pleasing for you. In your name, amen.